welcome, 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 Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 101, in the triple digits, officially, 101. I am your host, Brandon Lachance. We have a fantastic show, as always, I would like to thank. Special guest today, Pennsylvania's own Bob Barrows, otherwise known as Cheddar Bob, on Wreckfest and to demolition derby drivers all over the Pennsylvania area and wherever else Bob has been in demolition derbies. 20 plus years of wrecking cars. 20 plus years. That's a long time to be messing up some cars, crashing, getting wrecked yourself, but he loves it and keeps doing it. He was actually in one this past weekend. Today is Thursday, August 27th, and he was in a derby this past Saturday. He finished third. So not only is he in these derbies, he puts up some good spots, wins some money, has fun doing it. As he would say, just smashing people. Tons of stuff to talk about before Cheddar Bob speaks with us. First, we have to touch on the protests, racial injustice, definitely prevalent in America right now. I'm even seeing it on Facebook, white friends, black friends, Mexican friends, saying a little bit of different stuff here and there, taking shots of people, mutual friends. I'd hate to say it seems normal at this point, but it does. I wish we could all harmonize and all think the same and we're all the same color, we all breathe the same, bleed the same, eat the same, drink the same. I wish we could all think like that, but obviously we cannot. The protest from professional sports leagues and teams started after Jacob Blake was shot, I believe seven or eight times in Kenosha, Wisconsin, not too far north of where I currently am in Illinois. So it's close to home and it's close to the world. Everybody is rebelling against this because it's happening over and over and over again. And every life that is being taken by police, whether they're a different race from that policeman or not, is being highly scrutinized and profiled at the moment. And it should be. Civilians, whether right or wrong, should not be suffocating to death because a cop's knee is on their throat. Whether they're right or wrong, American citizens shouldn't be shot seven or eight times for going into their car when they should have stopped and put their hands up and listened to what the officer said, but they didn't. I know he could have went into a bag and pulled out a gun. He could have done other things. Do not have to shoot somebody seven or eight times to stop them or to get them to listen to you or end their life because that's what happened. Jacob Blake is no more because he went into his ride, went to get something in the backseat, cops didn't like it, and shot him. Yes, he could have went and got a weapon. He could have done many things. But at that point, he's still an unarmed citizen. He did not have anything in his hand. If you have cops looking at him, get in the car, he comes out with a weapon, you're going to see him. Then you take action. In my my mind, I am not trained as a police officer or anything having to do with that situation. I have to be honest, I'm not. But I thought to shoot somebody, especially if you're a law officer, they have to be armed. He wasn't at that moment at least. Milwaukee Bucks, before Wednesday's game, decided we're not going out. The Orlando Magic came out for the playoff game with the Bucks. We're doing their warm-up. The Bucks never showed. Orlando goes into their locker room. The Bucks come out and say, hey, we're not playing until things change. These social injustices that are happening 
all across America and what the police department is doing all across America is wrong and we are not standing for it any longer. So not only did the Milwaukee Bucks start it and then games were postponed on Wednesday for the playoffs, the WNBA postponed games, the MLB postponed games. Today's Thursday, like I mentioned before, no NBA games were played, some MLB games were canceled. There was rumor that the NBA playoffs were not going to continue when the season was over. But midway through the day, there was a player vote from NBA athletes, and they decided, hey, we're going to keep the playoffs going after a couple-day break. I don't know how to feel about that. So you're going to stop playing for two days to protest these social injustices, which I kind of stand by. I don't think we should be fighting our own people because of race or color or anything like that. I get why these protests are happening, but why only two days? Everything is done in two days? I'm a sports fan and want to see sports. NBA is my favorite sport ever. Love basketball. Played it, coach it, watch it, cover it for papers, for blogs, talk about it on this podcast as much as I can. But why only two days? That's It's done though? Two days we protest and it's over? That doesn't change anything. I feel like they should have stopped this season. Honestly, maybe all sports say, hey, we're done. Until things change, until these police officers are put in trial immediately instead of being pardoned and then later come back because the social media or the protests are coming at you because you didn't do anything. Things should change before they stop protesting. That's just my mind. If I was protesting, I would go hard, 100% in, not saying what these athletes did wasn't 100% in, like it's awesome. Like to take that stand for Kenny the Jet Smith to walk off the TNT studio and say, you know what, I have to back up these NBA players. I have to back up these athletes. What they're doing is correct. And he was done with the show. Those are very commendable actions if you're in favor of this protest. But why only a couple days? I don't think that solves anything. Something has to keep pushing harder for things to change, in my mind. But it's a start at least. Definitely a start. I really, really wish as uh, American people we could all see eye to eye, but you know we're all different people and that's never going to happen. My point of view, I have been around people of all different nationalities my entire life. They bleed the same, breathe the same, eat the same, sleep the same, do all the things same that we have to to maintain our lives, to survive. Sure, there's different religions and different customs, different ways that people were brought up, but that doesn't change that we're all human beings. But I know you've heard that from me before on this podcast and other places as well. These protests are huge. 2020 has been a massive, crazy year. So it seems like this would be the year that these things would happen. We will see what happens from here. I just hope it all stays peaceful. Whether you're for the Black Lives Matters cause or against it, I hope everybody just stays peaceful, riding kind of stops like it's stupid to steal from your own communities and break buildings and park equipment and things that your community uses to try to change things. I don't know if that's the right way to go about it either. Actually, I don't think it is at all. The peaceful way is probably the better way to go. Let's see if we can maintain that or gain that, do that, execute peaceful ways of how things should be changed. But I understand that it sounds better than how it's probably going to occur which is sad. I have a large checklist of things to talk about. 
The rest of this I'm probably going to, not rapid fire, but go through pretty quickly. But I want to discuss this thing. Haven't had a show for a week after the 100th episode with Kevin Klum, News Tribune, sports editor. He's getting conversations together, working on other stuff for the show to improve it. So I pushed it off for just a few days so we could get some things together. So I got a lot of stuff I want to talk about. So let's get to it. End of July, Logic retired from rapping. The rapper says he's retiring, not going to do it anymore. Honestly, I don't really care. Logic is okay. I have many, many playlists on Spotify. And the one playlist that I have is titled Big Sean, Chris Brown, Logic. Sometimes I just throw artists together just to play different music all in a playlist that's already set up, that I set up but already done in advance and there's just random songs I can put on shuffle, work out while I'm walking, while I'm cleaning up around the house, whatever, and things just play. On that playlist, there's only three Logic songs, so he's just kind of there to be there. I have All Right with Big Sean, Still Ballin' with Wiz Khalifa, and then the only song that I have that's just Logic, Keanu Reeves. That's it. So, not really a huge fan, don't think he's crazy special or on a Mount Rushmore of any group of rappers. Like, he's not on the Mount Rushmore of white rappers or mixed rappers or rappers from a city, nothing like that. So, happy retirement. I also know that rappers do not stay retired long. Ask Jay-Z. He's the first one that comes to everybody's mind. But many others have said they're going to retire and then keep rapping. So, we'll see. Why I'm talking about music, one more thing. Been trying to keep up with the versus battles. Been a little behind because I wanted to catch up to the ones I had missed in the beginning. But the DMX Snoop Dogg battle was pretty awesome. There wasn't one song play that I never heard before. And actually, I probably knew the lyrics to just about all of them. It was amazing. Two great artists. I think just on popularity alone, Snoop won the battle. But personally, me as an individual, I am more of a DMX fan. And I liked DMX's songs better, but probably in a grand scope of things, Snoop wins. I mean, Gin and Juice, Drop It Like It's Hot, tons of songs with Dr. Dre, America's Most Wanted with Tupac. He's got so many different kinds of songs, and across a long period of time. It's kind of hard not to say that Snoop won. Snoop would probably be, I'm going to say, 97% of people. In my head right now, I can't think of one person that straight up beats Snoop 20 songs without actually going to that battle, without seeing that. On paper, I don't know of anybody that beats Snoop. Jay-Z would be a good one. That would be tough, Jay-Z and Snoop. That's probably the closest that I could think of. Getting back to the sports world. White Sox fans had something to be crazy excited about two days ago. The 25th, Lucas Giolito with the no-hitter. 13 Ks. In a 4-0 win over Pittsburgh Pirates, he is now 3-2 on the season. He went into the game with a 3.89 ERA, leaves the game with a 3.09 ERA, dropped at 80 points with the no-no. It was awesome to watch, awesome to follow on Twitter. I went back and watched the YouTube clips probably about four or five times just because it was amazing. Good stuff. I made both. White Sox and Cubs baseball fan. I'm all about Chicago. It was awesome. Great to see. Defensive back Earl Thomas cut from the Ravens, fighting with Chuck Clark, his own teammate, getting an argument, throwing some bows. I don't know why he's cut. I mean, 
I would like to think it's competition. I did not read many backstories. If it's competition or even like another domestic ordeal outside of football, it's a lot of happen. It's a fight. They're grown men. I mean, sure, find them, penalize them. However, I wouldn't cut them from their job. They're grown men. Let them fight. Let them show competition. I'm not saying have a UFC cage match in training facilities for NFL teams, but give them a decent fine, suspend them a game or two, but why cut them because spirits got heated? They argued, they fought, it happens. It happens every day all across America. Every day all across America. Find them, give them some responsibility and some consequences for their actions, but cut their livelihood? How many fights have you seen in real games or also in practices? Somebody gets muffed on purpose because they didn't like what somebody said. It's a fight in practice. You have grown men in the heat and pads hitting each other. What do you think is going to happen? It happens all the time. I wouldn't cut them. You should still be on the team with a large fine and missing a couple games. I'm going to jump around just from things that I jotted down. The Mike Trout rookie card, 2009 Bowman Chrome Draft Prospects. Super Fractor card sells for $3,936,000. $3,936,000. All-time high for a sports card. That is insane. If I had $3,936,000, I am not spending it on a card. A card. That with one little chip of a corner means nothing. $3,936,000 gone if a little corner of that card gets chipped. Insane. Never, 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 never. Sticking with baseball, Padres, first team to hit four grand slams in four straight games. That is absolutely nuts. On the 17th of August, Fernando Tatis Jr. hits a grand slam. The next day, the 18th, Will Myers out of the park, four runs scored. The 19th, Manny Machado gets into the action. And then Eric Hosmer closes the four Grand Slams in four straight games on the 20th. Insane. I know that's a week ago, but holy cow, the amount of Grand Slams. Me, as a sports fan watching baseball games, I have seen two Grand Slams in my entire life. If you are a Padres fan, diehard Padres fan, and watch every game, You've seen double the amount of Grand Slams that I've seen in my entire life in four games. Think about that. When you're thinking about that, let's also think about home renovations. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. The family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, remodels, garage additions, and room additions. Owner Keith Milas has been in construction for over 10 years and is willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982 or contact them on the Facebook page, Olson Construction LLC, or via email, olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Lots more NBA stuff I want to talk about. After they're swept by the Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers fire Brett Brown. 
was their head coach for seven seasons, went 211 and 344. 211 wins, 344 losses. The beginning of his career, they did not have good players. They kept busting on top draft picks or top five draft picks. They could not catch a break. Finally got some good players, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and started picking up wise free agents instead of old players that were falling off their game, which seemed to be the thing that they were doing for most of those years as well. Swept by the Boston Celtics with Joel Embiid, a legit NBA superstar, with Al Horford, a veteran big man who was giving it to the Boston Celtics when he wanted to, tons of role players that most NBA squads would love to have, Josh Richardson, Alec Burks, tough, physical, good basketball players. Ben Simmons had a nasty leg injury, so he didn't play. But you still had a team to pick up at least a win or two. At least a win or two. So I was not surprised at all when he was fired. So they're going to have to find a new head coach, and I bet you they shake some things up. They're either going to trade Joel Embiid or they're going to trade Ben Simmons because it's been proven that they cannot play together. When I was going over the playoffs before, I said they've been disappointing the last couple of years. They did lose last year in the playoffs on a crazy shot with Kawhi Leonard. Got beat by the Toronto Raptors. But there was times in last year's playoffs that they looked way worse than they should have been. They had a good squad, and they couldn't get it done. Also, when I'm talking about players, Tobias Harris. I call him a legit all-star. I think he's that good. But just a lot of good players, and they get swept by the Boston Celtics in the first round. Should never happen. He should have got fired, unfortunately. So I was really pumped up that the Portland Trail Blazers defeated the Los Angeles Lakers in Game 1, 100-93. But since then, Lakers taking no prisoners. The last three games, Lakers won them all. 111-88, Giving it to the Trailblazers. You made the wrong people mad. And I thought that could happen, but I would love to see Portland knock out the Lakers because everybody thinks the Lakers are going to win. And honestly, they probably are. They have two of the top five or six players in the league in LeBron James and Anthony Davis, a host of great role players that have been in winning situations for most of their career. Makes sense. Lakers are that good. They will run into the Clippers or another West dominant team, Denver Nuggets, if they can get past the Utah Jazz. The road is still not completely paving, but it's not completely gravel either. Thank you, Trailblazers, for taking the first one, but I think it's going to be a departure probably in the next game. Giannis, I always say Giannis, people get mad at me. His name is Giannis, but I like Giannis. He's got a G in there, why not? Giannis Antetokounmpo, Defensive Player of the Year, 75 place votes for 432 points. The second player on the voting, Anthony Davis, 200 points, 14 first place votes. Giannis Giannis, whatever you want to call his first name, that big, athletic, crazy, awesome basketball player on the Milwaukee Bucks, ran away with Defensive Player of the Year. And he is the only the fifth player in NBA history to be named both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year because he was the league MVP last year. Four other people to do that? Kevin Garnett, Hall of Fame. Hakeem Olajuwon, Hall of Fame. Michael Jordan, Hall of Fame. David Robinson, Hall of Fame. And all four of them also have NBA championship rings. Just saying. Also in the award-giving process, Nick Nurse, 
Toronto Raptors coach wins coach of the year. Second head season with the Raptors, and he gets the nod for coach of the year. He deserves it, man. Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers, and Raptors finish number two in the East behind the Bucks. And we're never really looked at as a bad team once the season started. Before the season started, like, oh, man, they're not going to do nothing. Fred Van Fleet, Rockford dude, much love. Kyle Lowry, ups and downs. Siakam, great player. But can he really lead a team? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All of them have stepped up, not just those three, everybody on the team. And they were phenomenal to watch. And a lot of it is because of Nick Nurse. 46 and 18. In the regular season, 0.719 winning percentage. That is amazing. And with this Coach of the Year nod, Nick Nurse is the first coach ever to win an NBA G League Coach of the Year and an NBA Coach of the Year award. He won the G League award for the 2010-11 season. So he's racking up accomplishments. Like I said, a lot of things I wanted to go through, touch base on. Life has been crazy, but crazy awesome as well. I hope everybody is staying safe as this coronavirus is still going through the nation. We are trying to do things a little more normal than what happened in the spring. Schools are attending, sort of, kind of. People are going, not every day, but there are schools in session. Sports are getting underway. Tennis, golf, cross country, and swimming are practicing, getting some meets in. It is beautiful to see bars, restaurants are open, whether they're doing full dine-ins or curbside. They're open. You're able to still use their products or indulge in some adult beverages and some great food. So life is getting back to sort of normal, and that is always amazing. Let's get to Bob Barrows, a.k.a. Cheddar Bob. I'll probably never say his real name ever again. It is Cheddar Bob. Appreciated the chat with him, demolition derbies, some football talk, all kinds of cool stuff. We will be back on Saturday with new St. Bede volleyball coach, Abby Bosnich. Spoke with her today. It's going to be a great podcast with her. So come back on Saturday. So until next time, peace. We just got off work. I'm already kind of hungry. Then I get on the phone with my special guest today. And he's at the grill, his grill, making some steaks. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should just go over to his house. The problem is, is he is in Pennsylvania. I'm in Illinois. That's a little bit far away. I think I'm going to be late for dinner. Bob Barros, how is it going, my friend? Good. How are you? I would be better if I was with you eating some of your steaks, but I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, they look pretty good, too. You throwing on any uh, special seasoning or any uh, rub or anything? Well, the wife had it marinating since last night, and I got A1 sauce and worst, or worst, worst exercise sauce. I can't say that either. I'm not even going to try to attempt because I goof it up every time. <laughs> they, they look pretty good right now. I'm kind of hungry myself. If I hop on a plane, I wonder how long that will take. I haven't looked it up. but uh, the truth, I'm not really sure, to be honest. It might take uh, maybe eight hours, nine hours, ten hours, somewhere around there. Well, even if I went to an airport, it would take me either an hour and 45 to two hours to get to Chicago or an hour to Bloomington. So, I mean, by the time I even get to the airport, the steaks are going to be cold. <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
Well, I introduced you by your full name, but I know you as Cheddar Bob. Yes, sir. A lot of people know me by Cheddar Bob. Now, was that a nickname before the 8 Mile, or did it happen after 8 Mile came out? It kind of happened after 8 Mile came out. It all started years ago. A bunch of people used to call me a different name, meaning Stupid Bob. Well, then I turned around and watched the movie Eight Mile and seen Cheddar Bob. And I thought, right then and there, that's me. So I started putting Cheddar Bob down the side of my car, my derby cars. Because I got tired of people using my name and this and that that I put on the side of my cars. And I figured, well, nobody's going to use this name. So now it's stuck with me. <laughs> I hear ya. Before we get to your demo cars, demolition derbies, you've been doing this for a very long time, and that's exactly why I have you on the podcast today. Did you ever shoot yourself in the leg, like Cheddar Bob? Uh, actually, with an air nail gun, yes, I did. You shot yourself with a nail in the leg? Yes, sir. Did you do it on purpose? No. Hanging drywall, nail in the bottom of the drywall. And somebody, I went to grab the air hose, and somebody was stepping on it, and sure enough, ended up putting a nail through my fibula and tibula. So then at that point, you're like, I am the real Cheddar Bob. Exactly. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Shot in the leg with a nail gun. Yes, sir. And it took four people at the hospital to more or less hold my leg down and take a pair of pliers and pull it out. Oh, wow. How old were you when that happened? Oh, I'd say about maybe 18, 15 years ago, and I'm 42 now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, was, it was a long time. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Eight Mile probably came out in what, 99, 2000, something like that? Yeah, I believe so. Actually, I'm not... I think the book came out in late 99, I believe. Yeah, because I don't think I was in high school yet, and I graduated in 04, so I would have got there in 2000. So yeah, it was before that, like 98, 99. Yes. The movie had already been out, and then you shoot yourself. You were already calling yourself Cheddar Bob, so it had to pick up after that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Great story for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. <laughs> Actually, the first car that had Cheddar Bob down the side of it was, a, I painted it yellow. It was a 78 Newport. And Cheddar Bob, well, when I came up with the name of it, that's when it stuck. Everybody just started calling me Cheddar Bob. Well, that's hilarious. I love it. And I believe that, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that was back in 2000, I want to say, three or four. So you have been demo derbying for a long time. What originally got you into being a demo derby driver and wrecking your cars and hopefully not wrecking yourself too bad? As long as I can remember, my godfather used to run stock, more or less stock, paint and bang cars at my local fair. I helped him and his brother and a bunch of others on their cars. And I thought right down in there that this would be cool to take frustration out and everything else. 
And I was 18 when I first derby. That's when I got my driver's license, is you had to be 18 in order to drive in derby. And that's when I got my license. Well, ever since I was 18, I've been derbying. So you've been doing this for over 20 years? Yes, sir. Can you tell me how many derbies you've been in? Uh, well, <laughs> which year? <laughs> how many derbies are you in a year? Well, it varies. I mean, last year I ran two derbies. This year so far, while well, with this COVID stuff that's going on, I ran two derbies, and I'm possibly going to run my third derby next month. I just ran a derby last weekend, and I ended up taking third last weekend. But normally, I mean, it all depends. There's one year where I ran, I'd say, 10 derbies, 11 derbies in one year. Wow, that's a lot. Yes. Wow, because crazy. back in my younger years, I sat there and from the time the snow melted until the time the snow started falling here, that's when we were working on cars. I could sit there and well depend on the car situation of how it looked after the first derby to take it to the next derby. Over the years, I have smashed over like 200 cars, if not more. 200 cars? That has to be pricey. Uh, well, for me, I'm cheap, and I uh, refuse to pay over $500 for a car, but I have stuff to where I can reuse, like my rear and motor, tranny, so I just need bodies to put it so I don't spend over 500 bucks on a car. Gotcha. And I've seen photos of what you've been running the last couple of derbies, and I'm going to post them with this podcast. It looks like a station wagon is what you've been running in the latest derbies. Yes, sir. The first two derbies I've ran this year so far has been a 71 to a 73 Plymouth Suburban station wagon with an Imperial sub underneath it. Does it have a name, or do you name them all Cheddar Bob? They're all Cheddar Bob. Talk about the sayings that you painted on it for this last derby. Uh, on the front of the hood that I have bent down over the rat sport, I put, here comes the pain. Prior to that paint job, I put, before your neck. <laughs> Are you Bill Goldberg of Demo Derbies? <laughs> no, I just like to rattle people's chains. Especially when I'm coming for them head to head and they see a saying coming for them, it makes it a little more interesting. Definitely. You said you finished third last weekend. How many cars were you against? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I think there was 25 cars. And they were some pretty hard cars. Tilted, Vicks. There was a 64 to a 66 Chrysler Imperial that was in it. A bunch of newer Caprices, newer bubble Vicks. When you say Vicks, you mean Crown Victorias? Yes, Crown Victorias, sorry. 
No, that's okay. Not everybody that's listening knows about cars, and I don't know a lot, but I know some. So, <laughs> the newer Crown Victorias, to where they say they're unstoppable and stuff like that. Which don't get me wrong, there are uh, builders out there per se that can make a pretty nasty Crown Victoria. So, how did you feel about your run last weekend? I mean, third out of twenty-something cars—that's not that bad. I mean, a couple of guys at work was calling me a sandbagger and everything else, but I wanted to take it slow in the beginning and set my shots up. And needless to say, I set the shots up pretty well and it fared out for good on my part. Is that your normal strategy or what kind of strategies do you go into derbies when you know, like, hey, I want to win and, you know, I also want to hit people? Well, normally I just go out and right from the get-go, I flat-foot it. But for some reason, last weekend, it just had it in my mindset to where I'm just going to take it easy and see what all happens, per se, and it pretty much panned out good on my part. Definitely. Now, does third place and something that big, did it pay out pretty well? Yeah, I got a trophy about a uh, about a foot tall trophy and 150 bucks. All right, what the winner get? I think got 700. It was a 100 percent payback and a 25, I believe, cars. It split up to the top three. So first place probably got 700. Second place probably got 250, and third got 150. I believe. I'm not 100 percent sure. How many wins do you have in all the derbies that you've been in? Out of all the derbies I have been in, as far as feature-wise, I have one feature win. And that was three, four years ago, I believe, maybe five now. And it was at my local show. It's more or less a memorial trophy for my buddy that passed away years ago. His mom dedicated the trophy in honor of him, and it made me feel really, really, really good to win that trophy. So your one feature win is in a derby that was a memorial for a good friend of yours? Yes, sir. That's an amazing story. That had to have felt awesome to win that one. Oh, yes. It, it was just, I mean, phenomenal. It was just something to where... Ever since he passed away and his mom gave him the trophy memorial in honor of him, I've wanted to win it. It felt so good just to win that just for him. And let's give him a shout out up there. What's his name? Tommy Hendricks. That's awesome. So you won a trophy for Tommy. That's that's crazy. That's awesome, man. Yes, sir. And it's called the Tommy Hendricks Memorial Award. It's a separate trophy besides the actual championship trophy that you win. Oh, so if you win that, you're getting two trophies. Yes, sir. So you got two trophies for the one race. Yes, sir. Now, does that bother you when people call them races or are they derbies? Because I know I've said it a couple times, race, and I'm like, I don't know if it's really a race. Some people say race, some people say derby, some people just say smash up. I mean, it all depends on whereabouts. Me, it just, I mean, that's just the way I call it. Yeah, and you're a hicker, Billy, out in Pennsylvania, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> There's pretty much 
pretty much nothing to do here in Pennsylvania besides actually drink beer, party, and smash cars. Where about in Pennsylvania are you? I am in central Pennsylvania. I am 15 minutes south of Williamsburg, where the Little League World Series is. Okay, okay. I'm about 15, 15 minutes south of the Little League World Series. For people that do not know where that is, I actually do since I'm a sports fan and stuff like that and covered a lot of World Series stuff in my journalism career. Whereabouts are you from, from like the big cities like uh, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia? Philadelphia, I am about three and a half, yeah, roughly three and a half, three hours from Philadelphia, and I am about two, two and a half, three hours from Pittsburgh. So if you wanted to do some city shopping or check out, uh, I don't know if they have derbies in the cities, but <laughs> go to a, do something in the cities, a little bit of a day track, so that's all day journey for you. Yes, sir. It's funny because, you know, you play video games, you get on the PlayStation, you get on the Xbox, and you hook up a mic, and you start talking to people, and it's very random or very rare that you're actually playing a game against somebody that does what the game is. Like, if I'm playing NBA, it's not very often, you know, you're going to be playing against a NBA player on the game, or if you're playing, you know, a fighting game, it's not very often that you're going to be playing against a fighter of some sort. So I start playing Wreckfest with my friends, and if you've listened to this podcast before, which I hope you all have, you know that I played Wreckfest for, I don't know, probably a good two or three months straight, like every day. That's how I met you, Chetta, and it was really, really weird playing against actual demo drivers. You've done this for a living, done this for fun, made some money, won some trophies, won some championships, and then you're playing on a video game, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm playing against people that actually know what they're doing here, because I do not. It is pretty cool, really. It's like you said, it's awesome to where you sit there, and like you just said, you play against somebody that actually does it in real life, and it makes it a little more interesting, because if, by chance using you as an example, don't know what you're doing or stuff, <laughs> it's a lot easier to sit there and ask somebody that has done it for a while. Yeah, and I've asked you tons of questions, because at first I had no idea, even though it's a video game, no idea what I was doing. Some people take it, the video game, where more or less it's like real life situation, but as far as me... It's just awesome to sit there and be able to smash, play a game to what you enjoy doing. Although I do wish that they would sit there and upgrade Breakfast to where it's more or less like a real-life scenario. To where you're really, really actually feeling the compact and everything else of wrecking the car. I could see that. It is pretty fun, but it... It's still a video game. Like, it's really easy to flip cars at some times, depending on what kind of car it is. You know, I'm in the Grand Duke all the time, and I get flipped really, really easy, and it's kind of annoying. <laughs> Once again, it goes to also knowing of how to more or less set your car up. Because the Grand Duke is like an Imperial, and it's a full-frame Imperial, and if you're not used to or never been around a full-frame Imperial, you got to make it really, really heavy, per se, and 
durability compared to an actual another car in the game. So you're pretty much telling me to my face or to my phone that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> no. I mean, a <laughs> couple of times where uh, there were some issues, per se, that you were doing or you did or you had, and that you turn around and you question, ask people and this and that, which you're getting a lot better. And it's a lot, a lot harder for me to say than to more or less go out and hit somebody that don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? I got what you're saying. I got what you're saying. The great thing about this is, is we're on like the same team, which our team, I don't know what we even have a name or whatever, but there's about, at one point it seemed like there was 20 of us and nobody would mess with us because we would just take them out. Mopar Mafia. <laughs> Mopar that's Mafia. What call, that's what we call ourselves, Mopar Mafia. Straight up Mopars. Nothing but Mopars. On the Facebook group, I just call this Gang Gang, but yeah. <laughs> well, other than derbying or playing a video game about derbies, got some other stuff going on. I know you got a couple kids and football season's going on, and you got a little guy playing football. Yes, sir. He is eight years old. And he's playing uh, more or less youth football. At first, he wasn't too sure how to go about it, being in contact and stuff like that. But now he's has a couple of practices and scrimmage underneath his belt. And he likes the compact of the sport. My youngest, he's four. And actually, I'm waiting for him to turn five. That way, he can do in the flag football next year. So once he turns five, he can do flag football in Pennsylvania? Yes, sir. Perfect. And what are your boys' names? Waylon is my oldest, and Jaden is my youngest. And we got to give a shout-out to your wife, the mom, because, you know, without her, there's no football player. So what's her name? Her name is Heather. Gotcha. And if it wouldn't be for her, my derby in and the kids and all that stuff right now would never be. Good shout-out for her. Plus, she's got to put up with you. That might be rough. <laughs> yeah, for uh, 14, 15, 16 years, she's put up with me for a long time. Well, good for her. Or good for you that you have somebody like that. <laughs> it has its ups and downs, brother, and that, I mean, it's awesome. Very cool, very cool. I'm guessing that football is a big thing in Pennsylvania. Yes, it is. Most Pennsylvanians here are Pittsburgh or Philly fans. Now, me, I'm an Oakland Raiders fan. Oh, you're goofy. <laughs> Why the Oakland Raiders when you're in Pennsylvania? Ever since I can first remember watching a football game back when they were in Los Angeles, I've liked the colors. I liked uh, the mascot, per se, on the side of the helmets. It was just a cool color. They were just mean and nasty back in the day. Okay, okay. I can see that. I mean, back in the day, there was tons of Raider fans. Yes. There was uh, Howie Long. I mean, well, actually, before that, there was Ken Stabler. I mean, Tim Brown. And then you had Howie Long, Marcus Allen. 
And what actually got me even more liking the Raiders is back when Bo Jackson played. Bo Jackson was my beast, I should say. Definitely. He was everybody's beast in multiple sports. Yes. Were you a little too late for the John Madden era? Nope. I played John Madden. No, I meant... <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, no, I'll... Actually, I remember back the John Madden era, yes. Gotcha. I do love the game Madden, but I met him as a coach. <laughs> I mean, I was born in 77, so just vaguely remember the John Madden era, but that's more or less what got me hooked also, along with playing Madden. So what I've been doing lately is giving you an option of what little game we're going to play during Edge of URC podcast. And this, you told me you're a Raiders fan, so I'm like, okay, we got to do a now and then. So I want to know your favorite Raider now, and I want to know your favorite Raider of all time. All right, my favorite Raider now, I would have to say Derek Carr. Derek Carr, the quarterback. Why do you pick him? What is it about his game that you like? He's a Raider through and through. He gets hurt, he gets up, and he plays. I mean, he plays through toughness and everything else. All right, good pick. Who is your favorite Raider of all time? Of all time, I would have to go with Howie Long, defensive end slash linebacker. Out of all the Raiders I can think, I would not have thought that you would pick Howie Long. What was it about Howie Long that you loved? Howie Long was just one of the defensive players that just I don't know he just took in my eyes he just took everybody on he took everybody on and he was the beast on defense he was one tough SOB good stuff good stuff just because I don't follow the Raiders crazy style if I had to pick an all time I'd probably go Bo Jackson that's just because I don't really follow him that much I did love Tim Brown so it'd probably be Tim Brown or Bo Jackson but Tim Brown, Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, I mean, they were great. Bo Jackson would have been the greatest if he wouldn't have dislocated his death playing in the Cincinnati Bengals game. Did you watch that game live? Yes, I did. Did you start crying when you seen him get hit? Well, I wasn't crying, but I was a little upset. I'm thinking that more or less that he was going to be out for a while. To end his career, I didn't think that. But I kind of figured that he'd be out for a while. I watched that uh, ESPN 30 for 30 about him, and the, just the weird jerk, the weird, you know, all the pressure of this big, strong dude running, and then all of a sudden, just that sudden movement, and his leg is done. Like that, still to this day, I, I can't believe that happened like that. Yes, neither can I. I mean... And as powerful as he was, it just blew my mind that it sat there and it did exactly what it did. Couldn't believe it. Talking about injuries to, you know, a prolific player like that, I mean, as a father of, you know, a kid that's in football now and, you know, you want another one to start playing at least flag football next year, what is your thoughts as a parent with your kids playing football, you know, with all the health risks and things that can happen? I was in a contact sport. I've always been in contact sport. That's one reason why I like Derbyan. And I played football. I wrestled. And to sit there and 
to more or less worry, per se, of something happening to my boy. Yes, I am. It's very scarce. But with the technology now and training, per se, the playing and stuff like that, I feel a little more comfortable because they're more sufficient. And it was very very sad of what happened to Ryan Stazier, the linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That right there is what scares me a little bit of my boy playing right now. But then again, it doesn't happen to everybody as well. Let's refresh people's memories. What did happen to the Steelers player? He ended up going for a tackle and he ended up more or less uh, breaking his back and paralyzed him. It was long hit, per se. It was a clean hit, but it was just the way that he went about it where he injured himself. Besides the Raiders, do you watch other football teams or do you watch just random games that are on? Uh, for the most part, I mean, I bought, well, I had the NFL ticket just for the Raiders. And because of being here on the East Coast, they never had uh, the Raiders televised. But for the most part, I mean, yeah, I sit there and I watch the Raiders. But if it's like halftime or they're losing really bad or whatever, then I'll flip-flop it back to other games. You know, I kind of do the same thing. I'll flip-flop, especially if the Bears are not on. I'm a huge Bears fan. And when you were talking about that injury to the Pittsburgh player, the one injury that sticks out the most to me was Johnny Knox, wide receiver from the Bears, who pretty much looked like he got broken half and his back was in pieces. Okay. I don't know if I remember that one. If you ever want to see a crazy bend, oh, my. People in yoga classes that are not even bending the way this dude got bent. Wow. Yeah, check it out. I know you can see the video on YouTube. Okay. Oh, and uh, by the way, I want to uh, say you're welcome for getting Khalil Mack also. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I thank the Raiders for that all the time. It kind of stunk a little bit that he went to the Bears, but then again, without that trade... I don't think that the Raiders would be where they would be right now. Yeah, everybody was giving John Gruden and the administration of the Raiders a bunch of grief, especially how good Khalil Mack and the Bears' defense looked when he got there. But right after that, as the Raiders kept, you know, pulling away and getting some games under the belt and starting to look like a really good team, then they're like, okay, maybe this made sense. Right. Although, I honestly can't believe that Chucky meaning John Gruden, did what he did by trading him, but in the same token, in my eyes, I see why he did it. Because Mac was all about the money, and he wasn't, more or less, for the team. Yeah, that was a big power move to start your tenure as a coach of a NFL franchise. Like, bam, let's make this move. Yeah, exactly. And then for them to get rid of uh, Cooper... Amari Cooper, that was another one that more or less blew my mind. Although, I mean, where the Raiders are right now, I am satisfied of where they're at right now. Hopefully the rookies that they picked up last year, or for this year, Ruggs and a few others, 
they can step it up a little bit in order to take care or to fill in the spots that Rudin got rid of. Amari Cooper is a bad, bad, bad man. I love that dude. He was on my fantasy football team last year, and he just tore it up. He was uh, quite the receiver, I'll tell you that. I would say that he's top three in the league right now. I would agree with that. I'm surprised Amari Cooper didn't run to uh, Pittsburgh or Philly, because then he could stop by your house and get a steak right now. (laughs) I don't know. With him being a Cowboys player, I don't know if he would uh, be welcome here. (laughs) <laughs> Are you a Cowboys hater? <laughs> well, I just... The Cowgirls slash Cowboys. Everybody's calling them the America's team and all this other crap. I was never a cow, Cowgirls slash Cowboys. <laughs> I actually did grow up a Cowboys fan. My uncle, who was pretty much the only like male person around, was a Cowboys fan. Actually still is. And then when I got older and I wasn't around him, I moved all over the place. And then I found myself, you know, not that far from Chicago. And all my friends, everybody I talked to, Chicago fans. So about 12, 13 years old and becoming a huge sports fan and a journalist and all this other stuff. I have been nothing but bears since I was like 12 years old. Gotcha. No, I just, ever since Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, Roy Aikman and all that never liked the Cowboys. They did make it easy for a kid to be a fan, though. Troy Aikman, right. Deion Sanders, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, they made the game look awesome and that they could never be defeated. Yes, I will agree with you on that. I, I will agree with you on that. When you go back-to-back, back-to-back, and back-to-back Super Bowls, yeah, they did make it look easy. They won three out of four Super Bowls with the 49ers winning one in between the two and then the other one. The 49ers that year, though, oh, my God. Steve Young was amazing. I also liked the 49ers back when they had Lott, Montana, Craig, Rice, Rathman. Back when uh, the Super Bowl team, that's what I liked them also because I just liked Joe Montana. He was uh, one heck of a quarterback. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Definitely in my uh, top three to five quarterbacks. But when you're talking about wide receivers, I don't think anybody will ever come close to Jerry Rice. No, Jerry Rice is just a monster. He was a beast. It was just crazy, the stuff that he did. I would put Randy Moss up there, too. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. I, I mean, Randy Moss, he was something else, too. I totally agree about that. Well, the good thing about Jerry Rice or Randy Moss is that they never shot themselves in the leg with a nail gun. <laughs> yeah, you right on that. <laughs> well, my friend, I want to thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast, talking about some demolition derbies, some football. It's always fun to talk to you, and thanks for doing it for the podcast. Thanks, my friend. You're welcome. Thank you.